Hello, and welcome to another episode of SMU Perspectives Podcasts. Recently, there was a movie release called Dumb Money, which pretty closely depicts a real Wall Street episode in 2021. The movie showed how some youthful investors outflanked the more conventional traders and came out on top when there was a run on GameStop stock. I'm about to play a clip from Dumb Money, which sets the stage for our discussion today. Talk about the GameStop situation. Retail traders always lose. (laughs) You've been served. Wall Street cheated. Surprise, surprise. You have to testify before Congress. The game has changed. There's a paradigm shift happening on Wall Street that has positioned millennials and Gen Zers to play and win. Our guest, Christina Sauter, a business law professor at Dedman Law on the SMU Dallas campus, is about to elaborate on the game-changing impact in the market. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. So back in January of 2021, my co-author, Sergio Alberto Gramito Ricci, who is at UMKC School of Law, and I were talking about what was unfolding with GameStop trading. And what we saw were that individuals were collectively gathering online, uh, namely using the Reddit community Wall Street Bets, and they they were investing via commission-free trading apps like Robinhood. They were investing in GameStop stock uh, and also other companies' shares as well, and they were doing so as a result of their online interactions. As we see in the movie Dumb Money, back in in 2021, we saw and the whole world saw that these individuals were having a really significant impact on GameStop shares price in the market and on the trading of GameStop shares. And we realized that these new retail investors were also coming into the market in droves. Thank you, Professor Sauter. Um, Maybe elaborate on what retail investing is and give us a sense of its history in the market. So without getting too technical, retail investors are human beings like you and I who are non-professional investors. Um, When my co-author and I talk about and refer to retail investors in our work, we really specifically mean individual non-professional investors who are buying and selling shares of a corporation directly in the stock market. So something that our listeners um, should understand is that retail investing is not a new concept at all. In fact, actually, the entire federal securities law framework was a result of Congress choosing to protect retail investors back in the early 1930s. So previously in the early 20th century, retail investors owned the bulk of shares that are outstanding in U.S. publicly traded companies. And this was true for the the great stock market crash that occurred in 1929 and in the resulting Great Depression as well. Prior to the crash, there was a lot of fraud. There was a lot of speculation in the market, and this really harmed retail investors. So Congress decided that retail investors needed to be protected and that the way that they were going to protect retail investors was by adopting a comprehensive uh, disclosure system, which is what we see in the federal securities laws now. 
gradually over time, um, due to a number of different factors, ownership of, of U.S. publicly traded companies has shifted to institutional investors. Now the bulk of shares of U.S. publicly traded companies are held by institutional investors. Institutional investors include banks. They include different types of funds like index funds, pension funds, and of course, hedge funds like we saw in the movie Dumb Money. So, Professor Sauter, what are some of the new wrinkles employed by retail investors? So traditionally, people have had to pay a commission in order to trade shares of companies. This all changed when Robinhood created the first mobile-first commission-free trading app, and then other brokerages followed suit. So this has opened the door for individuals to be able to more easily invest in company shares. Also, the growth of technology and social media has really facilitated the exchange of information. In fact, my co-author and I coined the term wireless investors to refer to individuals who are investing using commission-free trading apps like Robinhood and who are sourcing the bulk of their investing information online. So when it comes to Wall Street, there seem to always be these know-it-alls and uh, insiders and outsiders. And isn't that how the term dumb money and the title for the movie originated? Yes. Yeah, so the term dumb money actually originates from financial media. And it's a term used to refer to individual retail investors because they don't have the same amount of time. They don't have the same amount of resources as institutional investors. And it's really hard for them to access information regarding stocks. And to be able to analyze that information in order to determine whether they would like to buy or to sell shares. Institutional investors have traditionally been referred to as smart money because they actually have teams of analysts to track and to investigate stocks. So the terms actually really don't have anything to do with intelligence, um, but rather it has everything to do with information and the access to information and the ability to act on that information. So as we see in Dumb Money with GameStop, the quote unquote smart money uh, people, the hedge funds were caught off guard and were outsmarted by the quote unquote dumb money people, the retail investors. So, Professor, do these novice investors, who are mostly millennials and from the Gen Z generation, they, do they rub the Wall Street folks the wrong way? Yes, I think so. And, and you're right that most of these new retail investors that have come into the market, they are overwhelmingly from the millennial and Gen Z generations. My co-author and I have written extensively about how their generational characteristics um, and their affinities impact what they're doing and impact how they interact with companies as consumers, as employees, and as investors. So just some quick generalizations with respect to both genera generations, they naturally gather online. They're getting the bulk of their investing information online and also from family and friends. They also just naturally use online investing apps. Um, they're very diverse. So Gen Z is the most 
diverse generation. Millennials are the second most diverse generation. Generation Alpha is still being born, um, so we can't yet really talk about them. But this diversity affects their interactions with the world. And also, and of course with companies as well. Also, both generations were affected by the Great Recession um, in the early 2000s. So millennials were directly affected and Gen Zers were affected through their families. As a result, this they seem to have a lot of distrust of Wall Street and they value uh, trust and, and authenticity. And so this affects what they think of companies and this is and they if this affects what they think of of, of Wall Street. And we also saw that playing out uh, in the movie Dumb Money. So Professor Sauter, let's dig a little deeper into your research. And at the same time, uh, share your observations about how these new investors can use their prowess to do more than just make money. So as my co-author and I saw GameStop unfolding, we ask ourselves, what would happen if these people use the same tactics that we saw with GameStop, gathering online and exchanging information online, and then they actually voted their shares? So what's important to understand here is that typically each share of stock of a company comes with one vote. So at the annual general meeting of shareholders, the voting rights include the right to vote on each seat of the board of directors and also shareholder proposals that are properly brought before the shareholders. In addition, at least once every three years, uh, shareholders have a non-binding vote on executive compensation packages. So, Professor, you've referred to this voting benefit as a superpower, but not many exercise their power. That's correct. So typically retail investors do not actually vote their shares. Generally what we've seen is only about 27% of all shares held by retail investors are voted. And this is for a number of reasons, um, including the fact that individuals feel that their vote doesn't matter because they hold such a small stake in a company. Also, studies have shown and surveys have shown that retail investors don't know about the power that they're sitting on. They don't know about voting. They don't understand how to exercise their rights to vote. So in our research, we argue that technology and the the ability to uh, more easily exchange information and obtain information is really a game changer. It's changing the game here. Just as people gather online and exchange information online with respect to to investing, they can gather online and they can exchange information online with respect to how they're voting, how they intend to vote, and why. And people will be able to see that other people hold the same values and that when they vote, their vote will matter. When people are voting, they just naturally bring their own unique values and and experiences to voting. And this can impact companies and this can change how companies are acting. And in turn, it can change how companies interact with society and with the planet. 
So, Professor, a real-life event, the GameStop ordeal back in 2021, begot a real-life response among the youth in the market. A movie comes along to romanticize it even more. Anticipating that these new investors might be seeking advice, what would you tell them? My overall piece of advice for retail investors is to get educated. It's to learn about the companies that you're investing in, um, but also be careful about where you're getting that investing information from. So just because somebody has a lot of followers on social media, just because they're an influencer, does not actually mean that they know what they're talking about. Also, be careful about following the herd as well. I've heard both Elon Musk and Warren Buffett say to invest in companies that you believe in as a consumer. And I think that's really great advice. Like Elon Musk and like Warren Buffett, I would also advise to invest for the long term, to ride those waves. Don't panic if you see prices of shares going down. And also, as we see, or unlike what we see in Dumb Money, I would advise against putting all of your eggs in one basket. So you should really be diversifying your portfolio. My other big piece of advice for retail investors is to actually vote your shares. Voting in is different in corporations than it is in political elections. In corporate voting, you vote by proxies, and those proxies are received before the annual meeting of the shareholders. And the proxies are typically due midnight before the, the meeting. So if you've invested using a, a trading app, you should be getting an email indicating that it's time to vote. And so don't ignore those emails that you're getting. And if you can throughout the year, try and follow what's happening with the companies that you've invested in. Try and follow what directors have been doing. Do you actually want to reelect these people? What do you think about their executive compensation packages? What do you think about the shareholder proposals that may be on the agenda for the meeting? Really try to get educated and, and vote those shares. Professor, so we've, we've learned a lot about the investors. How do you hope companies will react to these new investors? Well, I hope companies realize that they have a real opportunity here to harness the power of these new generations of investors. And I would hope that they very much try to engage with them in the future. Professor Souter, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insights about how investing and these new investors are shaking things up. Thank you so much for having me. I'd also like to thank my engineer, Stephen Fasaro, who has been working with me on Perspectives Podcast at SMU.